Hi, everyone. See anybody? Morning. Okay, we all on. Okay. <clears throat> I just I'm just doing this uh, yeah, off my phone. Something's wrong with my computer. I can't find the Zoom link. So, okay, we're all good. You can all see me? Yes. Okay, good. All right. Uh, if somebody's not on mute. Uh, and again, asking questions around the fringes. Okay, we, yeah, that's better. Okay. All right, let's have a, I thought I would um, continue a discussion that I started on, uh, on Shabbat uh, in Shul, actually. Um, the Sedra that we had last week, Pasha Akev, just gave an opportunity to explore uh, the mitzvah that's in the sedra, which is the famous mitzvah of um, of benching. So, hello? I can't hear you. Can I dedicate the shiur in the, for, in the memory of Asher's father, Yosef Ben Asher, please, because Asher has your site today. Yeah, okay. Thank you for that. So his Neshama Yosef Ben Asher should have an Aliyah and the learning should be in his memory. Okay, all good. Okay, so I'm sure many of you are familiar with the text of the benching. That's one of the things we learn early on in life. We learn to sing it, we learn to read it. Um, and it, of course, is a feature every time uh, we have bread. The concept of benching in general is much broader than just bread. But uh, when you say benching to somebody today, it generally um, has the connotation of, of, uh, of having a meal with bread in it. Um, you can bench, of course, after every meal, even without bread. But let's uh, focus on what we know as Birkat Amazon, which is the brocha, the series of brochas, four of them, which are dedicated to, um, you know, to, to praising Hashem for, uh, for giving us, for giving us uh, food and sustaining us all. Uh, so what I'd like to share with you is uh, a deeper, a deeper idea on this, where um, when you start to look at the benching, you start to actually uh, question uh, that this simple definition of benching as being a prayer, which is in praise of Hashem giving us food, um, you start to see that there's much more to it than than meets meets the eye. So let's have a look how this uh, unfolds. So as I say, we start off with uh, with, with with common wisdom that uh, the Birkat Amazon's main function is to thank Hashem for for the meal we've just eaten. But now, if we look at it more closely, what do we see? That Birkat Amazon is comprised of four different brachot. 
And the first bracha, Birkat Hazan, number one, um, takes its name from the first opening line, you know, Hazan Tauram Kulob And um and then and it's end, you know, Hazanatakol. And therefore it's referred to as as Birkat Hazan. Uh, that that's followed by Birkata Aretz. Um Ala Aretz Valamazon is the is the We can't hear. You're muted, Rabbi. Thanks. Okay, there you go. Thank you. All right, sorry, just somebody called in the middle, Larry, and uh, I don't know, this phone is, I've got to work out how to work this thing. Uh, okay. Um, all right, so the second brocha is known as Brikata Aretz. Um, that follows the third brocha of uh, Bonei Yerushalayim, or Brikat Yerushalayim. And then the fourth brocha is known as Brikat Atov Bahametif. Now, the first brocha deals with uh, thanking Hashem for sustaining us and sustaining the world by providing food. The second brocha thanks Hashem for the gift of the land of Israel. And um, it also has uh, included in that bracha reference to a brit milah and to to uh, the giving of Torah to Israel. Um, the third bracha deals with Yerushalayim and the Beit Hamikdash, and uh, the fourth bracha um, is identified by the Gemara as uh, a response uh, to uh, to a, a tragedy that took place as probably the last. Uh, the last stand that was made by uh, the Jewish people before going into exile, and that is the Bar Kokhba revolt, and how it, it ends, unfortunately, in the Hadrian crashing the revolt, um, where the final battle uh, was in the city of Beitar. The amount of casualties there was in the, in the tens of thousands of people, and um, the Romans uh, defeated us, and uh, our casualties lay laid strewn over the landscape without anybody to bury them um and um and the the burial the burial of uh, was was not allowed by the romans for two plus years in the third year um the decree was rescinded and the jewish people were allowed to bury their dead again uh we we buried everybody and uh, a miracle took place that um a miracle took place that the bodies didn't decompose and um and so, therefore, in response to that particular miracle, a fourth bracha called Atova Meitiv 
Hashem who does good and who will continue to do good, uh, that uh, that bracha was instituted as a as a response to that particular tragedy, uh, and that's the that's that fourth bracha that uh, that we have, and so again, out of the four brachas of benching, the the first bracha is about food, the second bracha is about the land, Brit Milah, and the Torah. Third bracha about about the the Yerushalayim and the Beit Hamidrash, and the fourth bracha about the tragedy at Beitah and the re- the reburial or the burial of, uh, of of the people there. What's any of that got to do with food? You know, why why are we talking about uh, uh, Brit Milah, Torah, Eretz Israel, uh, Yerushalayim, and the Temple plus the the, you know, the ability to, to bury bodies which never decomposed after three years of siege. What on earth? That's not exactly what you, what you expect to be, uh, to be part and parcel of, of the model of benching. Further, furthermore, we, um, we ask a very simple question here, and that is that when one looks to find, um, when one looks to find a prayer that the Torah itself, that Hashem himself through Moshe Rabbeinu would recommend, we, we, uh, we have a whole big debate whether the concept of prayer in general is a Torah mandated value or it's a rabbinic, it's a rabbinic enacted value. Um, and even according to the Rambam and those who follow him, that the, 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 the idea of prayer is Torah mandated. But the actual words, the structure, the nusach, the text, there's no real... A God-given text that people have to daven with. Uh, there's a mitzvah to say Shema, so that's a mitzvah that's got its own text. But um, even even the mitzvah of Shema was put together. The three paragraphs were stapled together by by uh, by the rabbonim in response to the idea of uh, okay, you have to say the concept of Shema, except the okay, heaven upon you. That's the way we do it. But all of our prayer book is really rabbinically enacted. Uh, and it's evolved over over centuries of of uh, contribution in a world of prayer to bring us what we have now as our siddur. <clears throat> now, if you were looking for a, a a theme which was related to prayer or thanksgiving, and you were looking to find one which uh, which you know around which particular exercise, I'm not so sure that everybody would have thought that the very first spiritual connectivity through prayer would have been after a meal. You might, have, you, know, you might have thought that the Torah would have commanded us more succinctly, with more direction, with going to shul to offer a prayer about our lives in general. Um, and so it's very, very interesting now to think that the only bracha, um, there aren't many, they're, they're, they're literally, I think, I know, four, but out of all the four brachas that are mandated by the Torah, this one is the most, uh, this is like Explicit. Hashem tells you that when you eat enough to be satiated, then you have to you have to bench. Um, so the so benching becomes the model par excellence of uh, of 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 connectivity between Amisham and through the vehicle of 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 prayer, which is which is very very unusual. That's unusual. So we have to now take the opportunity to uncover a little bit of what the benching is all about. First part of our question is that uh, there seems to be much more going on in the benching than food. Food is one of the four brachot, 
each other bracha doesn't really have much to do with food at all. So why is it in the benching? And number two, uh, on a on a on a on a more let's call it philosophical plane, what what message is to be extracted from the idea that uh, that only um, that only benching is mandated by the Torah out of all the prayers that we uh, that that we basically have. There is a bracha to 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 make a bracha before learning Torah. That's another famous bracha that. Uh, the Torah gives us, but it's a very, it's, 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 you have to extract it from the actual text of the Torah by a derivation. It's not clear um, that uh, there is such a brocha. But yeah, as I say with benching, you know, there is a real, there's a real command to make a brocha. One could, one could argue that, uh, you know, that, that the brocha that we make Kiddush uh, on Friday night also is a fulfillment of a Torah-mandated mitzvah. That's to elevate and separate Shabbos from the rest of the days of the week. Um, and it's true. There is a mitzvah doraita to elevate the status of Shabbos by saying over a text. Um, but, the, but that concept, that concept is also camouflaged. Like it tells you in the Ten Commandments, remember Shabbos to keep it holy. Now remember, the word remember um, you know, can be uh, can be a lot of things. Uh, uh, you know, there's no question that in the end of the, the Talmud's discussion, Zachor means to remember Shabbos by mentioning something unique about it. And that gave them the impetus to put a text together for us. But you can see it's a couple of steps in the analysis of, of the situation. The word to go and make a bracha, um, that, 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 that concept of You've eaten, you've been satiated, now go and bless me, or you shall, you know, you shall make a bracha. That, that word, is a very telling word, because it's the only one that's so clear to, to, uh, to give Amishra the instruction, you know, to, uh, you know, to, to, to bless. The other one that's clear is Birtat Kohanim. Hashem says to Aaron, uh, you know, to initiate Birtat Kohanim, the duchening that we do in Chutzaretz for Ashkenazim only uh, on Yontif, but in Israel it's every single day. And there the Torah tells, uses the, you know, the word, Israel, so shall you bless the people of Israel. So there is another bracha that the Kohanim have to give, um, have to give Am Yisrael, which is Torah mandated, with uh, the instruction to bless. But that again is just the Kohanim vis-a-vis us, that all of Kal Yisrael offered to Hashem, we come back to the clearest of all derivations as being that of, of, of benching. Uh, anyway, so these are, this is our challenge to try and understand and appreciate, um, I think, a deeper dimension of what the, the mitzvah of Birkat Amazon uh, is all about. <clears throat> so, yeah, I found uh, uh, some essays that deal with, uh, that, that deal with uh, benching a little. Um, so I'll, you know, I'll just share with you some of the, the really lovely insights and nuggets that we can take away from, uh, from the various comments that we have. And um, one, of the, one of the most, uh, you know, I would say golden nuggets to take out of, uh, as a comment about benching is attributed to uh, Aaron Carolina, the Carolina Rebbe. Uh, and he... Um, 
he's quoted in a book called The Maggid Speaks by Rabbi Pesach Kron. And uh, he, uh, he, he tells over, Rabbi Pesach Kron tells over this anecdote that, uh, that, that puts a, a chassid in front of uh, the Rebbe, uh, where the chassid is questioning the Rebbe to try and understand uh, the difference of, of, of spiritual levels between the two of them. You know, Rebbe, he says, you know, uh, we both make a bracha before eating. And uh, we both know the words that we say. You know, what, what is therefore uh, the, the, the difference between the way you serve Hashem by making a bracha before eating and the way, and the way I do? And so the Rebbe said over like this. He said, he says, you make a bracha in order to eat the apple. I eat the apple in order to make the bracha. So this, you know, little statement from the Rebbe has actually a lot going on there. So what he's trying to say is that the basic approach to benching or to brochas in general is in order to eat. So essentially what happens is we either make a brocha before we eat or we make a Rikat Amazon as a result of the fact uh, that, that we ate. But if you take it from the Rebbe's perspective, he's saying, I'm making the, I'm, I'm eating, you know, in order to make the brocha, which would mean that um, eating is a necessary prerequisite for Birkat Amazon, which is an end in its own right. The first way of seeing benching is, okay, benching is, an, is, is not in its own right a value other than when I've consumed something. So now that I've eaten something, I say thank you. The benching comes because of the act of eating, which is true in both cases. The difference is, is that, yeah, what's driving the Rebbe is to connect with Hashem about his governing of the world in general, human beings in particular, with regard to... Um, food and so this uh, and so this is what um, um, you know he this is what he said over so um, anyway this is uh, this is his little statement and uh, it basically gave uh, an opportunity to understand the the beauty of benching just through the statement and so he uh, so now so now when you when you think about it like that it brings us to a a more general appreciation of uh, of what uh, of what the role that food plays, uh, or the strengthening of a uh, of a, uh, of, of a of a physical body in the service of a Baruch And so, when I mentioned this over Shabbos, um, what's interesting is that uh, we quoted a story that's well known to us. Yitzchak Avinu sends Esav out to bring him food. Uh, so that he can bless, uh, he can bless Esav. At the time, Yitzchak thinks Esav is worthy of the bracha, and so he sends his uh, son out to to bring him food. Why, why, why would he want to do that? So from here, there's a principle that Rabbi Nubachia teaches us, and that is that essentially uh, Hashem creates us as human beings, and uh, there's no better way of uh, elevating the human being to a consciousness of seeing Hashem in the world 
when you're in a state of happiness and joy, simcha. And the simcha is when a human being's um, body uh, is satiated. And so it's, it's not so much that we only eat in order to survive. Uh, it's true we do that. It's not only that we eat in order to feel good, but if the feeling good brings about a, an opportunity for, um, uh, brings about an opportunity for, uh, for us to, to, uh, to serve our Kosh that, that's a much deeper way of seeing how, how we eat and why a benching is done after we eat. Because after we eat, we feel amazing. It's a, it's a unique opportunity. If we've eaten good food, uh, we're in the best of moods. And somebody who's in a mood of simcha is at, uh, at, at, their, at their best in order to, uh, to be in connection with, uh, with Akosh Baruch So that was, uh, that was the insight that, uh, that we spoke out uh, uh, as, as, as we went towards the Shabbos Pashat, Pashat Akef. And so um, that was like a, a, an insight which uh, was wonderful to, to, uh, to behold. Uh, reading it in in the name of the Rebbe, and uh, and by extension, this uh, this concept allows us a, a deeper feeling of benching. And so, if we take this concept one step further, what we do is we essentially say to ourselves that um, that when we bench, it's an opportunity to connect to Kosh Baruch to connect to God about life in general, but not life just in general, but what makes us unique as uh, as Am Yisrael. And so. When we, say, when we say to ourselves, you know, what is it that makes us unique? What, what is the concept of, of, of chosenness of Am Yisrael? And so we can, uh, we can point to a number of variables which, uh, which make us unique. So in Shurim, uh, many, many years ago, when we, we discussed some of the principles of faith, I remember um, sharing this idea, but I'll just say it over again. Uh, we were trying to work out if somebody says to you, um, what is it that, 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 that makes Yiddishkeit unique or the Jewish people unique compared to all the other human beings on earth? What is it that's, that's uniquely Jewish? And so when you actually think about it, you'll start to suggest that uh, you know, certain spiritual values are uniquely Jewish. But upon further reflection, you'll see that it's not so simple. If you say, for example, uh, well, we believe in one God. Well, the idea of belief in one God is really given to the world as a universal concept of faith. Hashem enjoins everybody to, to believe in one God, which means that it's not a uniquely Jewish uh, value. It's a universal spiritual value that Hashem demands from, from everybody. So belief in God is not a good example, which makes what makes Am Yisrael uniquely different. We have to find values, spiritual values, that are unique to Am Yisrael and no one else has access to them. And, uh, and if we think about it, what we, can, uh, what we come up with is as follows. Hashem, Hashem uh, let's do it chronologically. Hashem gives the gift of the land of Israel to Avram Avinu. And, uh, and through Avram Avinu, it comes to the Jewish people. The land of Israel has a certain level of sanctity, you know, which, 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 came, to the, which came to the fore when Joshua, Joshua led the people of Israel into the land and conquered the land. And when he conquered the land, then he infused, he infused the land with a certain amount of sanctity. 
but the actual gift of the land to the people of Israel as opposed to, as the exclusive gift to the, to the people of Israel. No one else from a halakhic value point of view has any claim to the land of Israel as far as we are concerned. That is a uniquely Jewish gift that no one else has. That's the first, uh, one of the first major expressions that we have of a uniquely Jewish phenomenon coming through to, to Avram Avinu. The second, uh, the second variable that is uniquely Jewish to us um, can be also seen uh, through, the, through the mitzvot that Am Yisrael eventually get expressed in the Torah. The Torah is, as a value system of life, is only really given to the Jewish people. In theory, it's available in the Bible to be translated. And one take a chumash like has been done, and you can translate it into any language. The written law as such can be translated. But if you're going to try and create a society or live a life based on what's in the actual written text of Torah, you'll get nowhere because it's so incomplete as a guide to human beings in and of itself. It's missing a whole oral Torah component. And you, you, can't, you can't do anything without the Torah Shabbat there, without oral tradition. You cannot simply do anything. And the oral tradition is uh, uniquely, uh, uniquely set aside or designed to be the, the, the connection between Am Yisrael and Hashem exclusively. And uh, it's phenomenal that even if you can translate the Gomorrah and you can translate into English every code of law that uh, gives you a clue as to how we live our lives, even though it's been translated, we're the only ones who live by it. It's almost as if, uh, based on the words in the Torah itself, Hashem said, I'm going, to, I'm going to enter into a covenant with you, a Brit, a covenant with you, that the Torah that I give you uh, will be expanded to the oral tradition um, with all its values as a lifestyle that only Jewish people will really embrace. And therefore, it will be uniquely Jewish. The Torah of Israel is uniquely Jewish. No one else really has access to it in the sense that no one has been given divine permission to use it as a way of life. And not even permission. It's like almost, in a sense, at a distance. No matter how much people read, until you actually become Jewish and part of Jewish people, you, you, you sort of don't have the kind of ingredients that are, that are in the atmosphere to, be, to, to really uh, to work, work with it. So the land of Israel is uniquely Jewish and the Torah of Israel is uniquely Jewish. And there's a third variable which is uniquely Jewish and that is the chosenness of the Jewish people as uh, the children of Hashem. To be able to create a Jewish child, to bring down a Jewish neshama from Shemaim and then to create it as a, uh, as, as a uniquely uh, Jewish child, that can only be done by uh, two legitimately uh, Jewish people, ideally. But as, if, as long as the, the, the mother is, is, is Jewish, the child will be Jewish. But in principle, the ideal recipe of bringing Jewish children into the world and creating uh, a society based on that, that is also a uniquely Jewish phenomenon, the, the ability to create uh, uh, Jewish children. So the, the Jewish neshama is the third variable that that, uh, that I know of that's really completely Jewish and it represents the chosenness of the Jewish people in front of, in front of Hashem. And so 
here benching becomes an opportunity to, on a base level, we give thanks to Hashem for uh, the, the sustaining the world and, and, and in particular giving us uh, food. On a deeper level, it's an opportunity to put ourselves in a beautiful mood by, uh, by engaging in the act of eating uh, wonderful food such that that, that good mood puts, uh, puts us in a position where we as a vehicle uh, through which Hashem's, Hashem's ideas can flow, flow best when a person is besimcha, in a good mood. And therefore, benching becomes the opportunity to reinforce, to reinforce uh, this particular, this particular, these particular values. And so when we, come into, when we come to recognize the values that make us so unique, so we thank Hashem, number one, so the first thing we do is, oh, we're feeling amazing. We've, 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 we've eaten. We say, we say thanks for the food and for sustaining the world. And then we're going to say, thank you, Hashem, for choosing us, uh, choosing Am Yisrael to be your ambassadors of your Torah values. And we, uh, as Jewish Neshamas here on earth, are privileged to be part of that, of that uh, community, of that, of that cloud, that Sibur. And so we say, thank you for giving us and only us, the land of Israel, as an expression of our unique connectivity uh, toward you. That's, you know, that's Birkat Ares. And, and within it, we make mention of Hashem giving us Torah, and then we, we mention and the, and the covenants that you made with us, uh, represented by the Brit Milah, instructed to Avram Avinu and to his male line. So all of these principles, you know, are, are in a sense encapsulated. An opportunity arises after you feeling besimcha to reinforce one's commitment and understanding of these particular principles, which uh, give us the privilege of being uniquely related to Kosh Baruch Hu, uh, as Bani Matem, Lashem Elokechem, we become... Uh, Known uh, legally, philosophically, as the as the as the children of Hashem. Now, um, this uh, this this idea that that the land of Israel uh, is uniquely Jewish, as I mentioned before, when uh, when we look into the Torah, the Torah now starts to make a little bit more sense to us. When the Torah communicates that we have to bench after eating, the Torah tells it tells that to, to us by saying that. When you eat uh, and you are satiated, then you have to bench Hashem. You have to give a bracha. And then, and then the pasuk continues, uh, for the land that I've given you. So um, the land that I've given you, uh, when you first read that verse, wh- what bearing does it have on the on the command that Hashem has given us through Moshe Rabbeinu, kakatu ve'achalta ve'savata ve'irachta et Hashem elokecha. You know, you'll eat, you'll be satisfied and you'll bench Hashem, you'll give Hashem a brocha. Then all of a sudden the Pasuk throws in this last line, ala aretz atova Hashem natan lach. You know, wh- how does that qualify the mitzvah of benching? But of course, with the, the Torah juxtaposing that comment means that that comment has a lot to do with benching. That is the Torah's uh, hint to, to uh, the Rabbonim that when you're putting a text together, you must use the opportunity to, of benching to say something about 
you know, to the exclusive, uh, the exclusive uh, uh, ownership of the land of, of Israel um, of the, uh, by the Jewish people given to us by Hashem. And that gives us an opportunity to then reinforce all those chosenness principles. And so we have to, we have to um, um, use the opportunity of benching by the Torah's own syntax. It tells us, you know, reflect on something else while, you, while you're benching. It's hinted to. It's not fully explicit how you do this. But, the, but Chazal, the Rabbonim were, were, were saintly and, and, and clever enough to work it out so that we can understand what we're doing over here. And so that's why the second bracha is called Birkata Aretz. That's a recognition of, you know, uh, our ownership of the land of Israel. But when you say that we're going to uh, bless Hashem and reinforce our understanding or belief that, that the land of Israel has been given to us, when you say, I'm going to give you something, Hashem says, I'm going to give you the land of Israel, or to you, I have given it. How do you define given? When is the land of Israel actually given to us? So at first glance, you might say to yourself, well, you know, uh, Hashem gave the land of Israel already to Avram Avinu. Hashem, Hashem told Avram Avinu in, uh, in Bereshit uh, chapter 13, Hashem tells uh, Avram Avinu, he says, you know, uh, I've given you the land of Israel and in order for you to demonstrate that it belongs to you, I want you to you know, arise and travel, walk, walk, travel the length and breadth of Israel. By walking it, you will uh, acquire the land of Israel on behalf of yourself and all your, and, and your entire progeny that follows. And so, um, you know, this kumit alech ba'aretz is not just, hey, listen, you know, tour the land uh, to, uh, to show that you, that you want to get to know it, but it's a legal thing. You know, by, uh, by touring the land, you'll be able to acquire the land. And when you acquire the land, you know, it belongs to, it belongs to you and to the people of Israel. So if that's, if that's the truth, if that's the case, that, um, that, that Avram Avinu was uh, privy to receive the land and then shown by Hashem how to legally acquire the land. So why, why didn't uh, Avram Avinu, um, you know, say the bracha when he would, uh, would bench? The Midrash, the Midrash teaches us that Avram Avinu introduces monotheism to people through the concept of benching. You may be familiar with this famous Midrash. Avram Avinu said, him, uh, you know, he, he, he set up... Uh, uh, you know, an outreach uh, Jewish learning center. And he, uh, in those days, he, he's the only one who really is publicly teaching monotheism. And he does it by creating a type of hostel, hotel, motel type scenario where he, you know, he has this little, this little tent uh, neighborhood, if you will, or maybe he's a few tents around him. And uh, one tent is, of course, for him and Sarah. The other tent, you know, may have been uh, may have been his uh, dining room. A third tent may have been his, um, you know, could have been subdivided into little comp uh, compartments for people to sleep in. But he had a whole tent city going on there, which would allow people either as a one-off traveler or a person could, could rent a place and stay there for a bit longer if they wanted to. The idea was that as people move through the desert, there's nothing like being able to pick up a beautiful meal and a, you know, and a cover over your, a roof over your head 
you know, to uh, to keep you dry uh, or to keep you sheltered and and and, uh, and shaded. And, and so a hotel, kind of an oasis there in the middle of nowhere, you know, was frequented by so many passerbys. And uh, and and the price that Aramavina would would ask from the people who would dine at his table, so he gave them a menu, but there was no actual money price on the on the item. You know, Hashem blessed him with such wealth that he sponsored it all. If there was a price, we don't know about it, but maybe it was just a cost of what the food cost. But in principle, there was no money-making uh, scenario here. People would come in, and Avramavina would start to, to teach. So what was the price that you had to pay for your meal? The price was a drosha. You had to listen to a shiru that he gave. How long? We don't know. But um, listen, you know, for a fully for a fully catered meal in the middle of nowhere and a place to sleep, all you had to do was attend a few shirim. So maybe if you were just eating a meal and passing on, the minimum you had to attend was a shiur at the end of the meal. He gave you a drosha and he espoused the monotheistic principles. And by telling you the nature of uh, these principles, so um, he then he then used the opportunity of a person who had just eaten uh, and now was, you know, let's call it at their best in terms of being willing to receive spiritual ideas, they could focus the best. And uh, they were sort of legally now bound to, to this drosha because they'd, they'd eaten, they'd agreed to stay. So let's say it was a 15-minute, half-an-hour drosha, then they could move. Most people would pay that, uh, that price for a drosha for a full meal. And if people were interested and they wanted to stay on, he'd allow them to stay on at no cost to them. And they would then come back and, you know, they'd have a study session. So they had a third, another fourth tent that might have been some sort of a Beit Midrash library where they would, those who were sticking around would, would ask questions and uh, he would, you know, pupils of Avram Avinu would continue to teach or, and they, you know, Avram Avinu himself would teach. It was a whole scenario there. So, so according to this Midrash, it, it, it's benching. It's the ability to recognize Hashem as the sustainer of all that is closest to, to a man's heart. You know, you reach a heart through the stomach. And, um, but at the same time, once you've achieved that, you then start to espouse monotheistic values. We might have, uh, we might have been um, correct in suggesting that Avram Avinu had some sort of a... Uh, some sort of a text that he said over, some sort of a recital of, of, of benching, but it hasn't come down to us. Um, what's come down to us is that um, the first bracha that, uh, that, that, that we say in Birkat Azan, Azanat Ha'olam and then we finish it, Azanat Ha'kol, that bracha was composed by Moshe Rabbeinu uh, for the Jewish people upon their uh, exit from Mitzrayim through the Yamsuf and the sea splits. They come out on the other end and as you know, there's no water. Uh, they complain, they get water, there's no food. They complain and all of a sudden Hashem gifts, them, gifts us man from, from Shemaim. So the, the man, the manna that, that fell down in the desert after they saw this uh, unbelievable brocha from Hashem, that there's spiritual food here, which uh, manifests in a, in a, in a, uh, a most... Uh, a delicious physical scenario that um, that uh, was a, 
uh, a gift from Shemaim which had to be uh, recognized and thanked. And so Moshe Rabbeinu composed this uh, uh, benching. The first first paragraph of benching, Moshe Rabbeinu composes it. That's 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 Birkatazan. And so uh, now, based on what I've told you now, we would have thought that maybe when, when, when I've given you the land and we have to recognize the land, Moshe Rabbeinu was in, the inheritor of this promise to Avram Avinu as well. And so um, when... Um, when, uh, when the water call, when, when, when we're looking to understand who's composing benching, why didn't Moshe Rabbeinu compose uh, the Birkata Aretz? Uh, you know, okay, Avram didn't do it maybe because there wasn't a Jewish people at the time. So you have to wait till there's Jew- a Jewish people. Okay, so now Moshe Rabbeinu's got the Jewish people. They, they're in the desert with him. He, he's, he's a recipient of Akosh Baruch's brocha through Abraham. He's composing anyway, benching based on on, on, the, on the food that Hashem has provided there. So Moshe Rabbeinu gets the Torah, and in the Torah it says, So, okay, Moshe Rabbeinu was given, uh, given the opportunity to lead Am Yisrael into the promised land. But as you know, Moshe Rabbeinu, even though the promise was given to him, and he reinforces the promise, but unfortunately, Moshe Rabbeinu is not allowed into the land of Israel. He dies in the... Uh, in the desert, and he's buried among the sand dunes of the desert. And Nam Yisrael go in with Yoshua. So, <clears throat> when Yoshua crosses over, he uh, he has a he has a, uh, a a long sort of uh, process in which the land becomes the people of Israel. So he delivers the land. It takes him seven years to conquer it, and another seven years to divide it. So, fourteen years after Yoshua conquers the land of Israel and divides it up among the tribes, uh, at that point in time, only then, when it was conquered and divided among the, the tribes of Israel, um, can we really say uh, that this is the land which I've given you as a people. I've given you the land. And therefore, Yeshua was inspired uh, to compose the second bracha of, uh, called Birkat Aretz. And, uh, and at that point in time, these two brachas, the bracha of Hazan, Moshe Rabbeinu's bracha, uh, to thank Hashem for giving us food, and the Birkat Aretz, Yoshua's bracha, for, uh, uh, you know, where the promise to Avram Avinu has become, uh, has become a reality. These two brachas become Torah-mandated brachas. They become brachot midoraita, as we say. Brachas mandated by the Torah as an obligation to say these two, these two brachas. So, this is, uh, this is the evolution of benching. Uh, the Pasuk sort of hints to it. When we first read it, we can't see it. But uh, uh, closer analysis, deeper analysis shows us that uh, is qualifying what the sentence that came before, the phrase that came before, that after you've eaten and satiated, you have to bench Hashem. How? Somehow incorporating the values that lead to the chosenness of the Jewish people and specifically with reference to the land of Israel. And that only takes place under the leadership of, uh, of Yoshua. And, uh, and he has the, the, the prophetic inspiration, you know, to, to, compose, uh, to compose the bracha. Now, what's interesting is, is that, again, this idea of gifting the land uh, to the people of Israel, the, the gift of the land is fully cemented only when there's a capital city 
Yerushalayim and, and a Beit Tamikdash representing the greatest expression of connectivity between Hashem and Am Yisrael. And so that, uh, the, the gift of the land and our ability to settle it also takes place in stages. We conquered it, we divided it, and now we're going to now create a society there and that society is going to be uh, represented by a city in which Hashem's presence, um, you know, resides there permanently. And so the, the gift of the land is only complete, you know, with, with uh, the identification of the holy city of Yerushalayim as our capital and with the building of the Beit HaMikdash, um, you know, by, uh, you know, by our Israel. And that, that, as you know, takes place, you know, a good couple of hundred years after Yahshua, in the days of David Amelech and Shlomo Amelech. The two of them, father and son, they were given the privilege of, number one, identifying Yerushalayim as the capital city, as the site, uh, upon in, within which the Beit HaMikdash was going to be built. And David Amelech, as you know, did not get permission to build the Beit HaMikdash, but he and Shmuel the prophet, Shmuel and Avi, they identified the actual, um, they identified the, 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 the piece of land, um, you know, known as the, the biblical Yerushalayim. And so um, when David Amelech conquers Yerushalayim and establishes it as, as the, the capital of the Jewish people, he composes the first section of the third brocha. Now, this brocha is, this brocha is somewhat complex, uh, both in terms of its in terms of its evolutionary result, how it gets to the bracha that we know as the bracha that, uh, that's called Bonei Yerushalayim. So, uh, this I, I want to point out and try and be as clear as possible. When King David composes the bracha, he is only given the opportunity to solidify Yerushalayim as the capital of, uh, of, 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 of Israel. And therefore, his text, the, the phrase, the bracha that he composed, highlights, highlights this issue. David Amelech talks about Yerushalayim. So, half of David Amelech's text is in the bracha of, uh, of uh, thanking Hashem for, uh, for Yerushalayim. He doesn't have the opportunity to thank Hashem and create the full bracha, which incorporates uh, the, the full expression of sovereignty, the building of the Beit HaMikdash. That part two of the bracha is composed by Shlomo Amelech, you know, years later. Uh, and Shlomo Amelech, you know, when he, when he adds his text to his father's text, so he's got to add in the phrase, uh, you know, Hashem should have mercy on you, you know, but he can't say, you know, he can't say uh, that is that is uh, that's only given to to Shlomo Amelech. So Shlomo Amelech adds in his section, and the two sections together then become a third bracha. When uh, and when it's um, when that when that bracha is 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 composed fully, it becomes a third bracha to be said in benching. It's the fullest expression of and uh, 
it, it becomes the status of a Doraita, a Torah mandated broker as well. And so benching has become, has evolved into a three-tiered or three-brokered, uh, three brokers in, uh, to fulfill the mitzvah, three separate uh, expressions um, mandated by the Torah to fully express uh, Azan, Haaretz, and Yerushalayim, and, uh, and, and the Beit HaMikdash. But now, uh, sadly, as you know, um, Yerushalayim, as, as the capital, the Yerushalayim is the capital. Uh, Yerushalayim is not, you know, in, in Lechadodi we sing Mikdash Melech. You know, it's like, uh, you know, it's the sanctuary of, of, of the king. Um, you know, Ir Melucha is, is, the, is the royal city. You know, so that, that David Melech was, 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 able to, was, was able to achieve. Um, but uh, essentially, this was, this was destroyed. At uh, at the point in time when um, you know when we were sent into when sent to exile, so Ir Melukai sort of lost, and um, and sent, and, and then Shlomo Melech's Beit Hamidrash is destroyed. So so now what do we do? You know what you know the two of them have David Melech and and, and Shlomo Melech have added you know Yerushalayim to the picture, and um, and the nature of Yerushalayim. Is such that uh, it's got it's made up of two component parts. Uh, it's it's our capital city, and it's also the the city within which the Beit Hamidrash stands and becomes a judicial capital as well. Uh, and so, Yerushalayim has these two components uh, that are that are seen together: it's the capital, the judicial capital, and the religious capital. That's that's really the the um, the nature of Yerushalayim. And so now that Yerushalayim is, is destroyed, so, um, so, now, so now we've got to ask ourselves, what, what happens? So in essence, we have to come to the conclusion that we, you know, we lose Eretz Israel completely, but we still recognize it. We still recognize it because we've lost the ability to be sovereign there, or we did for so many thousands of years, but we never lost the gift of it. And so we could start to argue as to whether this brocha, especially about the Beit Hamikdash and and Yerushalayim, is still a doraita, is still mandated by the Torah, because we don't we don't have uh, we don't have it. Now we you know now we have a little bit more than we had before, but um, but essentially we we look at this and we now have an interesting nusach, meaning an interesting text of that third brocha. So the Rabbonim put took the, the text of the third brocha which highlighted Yerushalayim and the Beit HaMikdash, and they turned it into a prayer, a prayer asking Hashem to restore it. So we say, Rachem Hashem Elokeinu Yisrael Amrecha, have mercy on your, on, uh, on your children in Israel, while Yerushalayim Merecha, while Tzion Mishkan Kodecha, while Malchut Beit David Meshichecha, while Beit HaGadol HaKadosh Nekashim Chalav. You know, that's, that's, uh, it's like now, we turn the brocha into something slightly different. It's become a prayer to, to restore it. And so um, this, is, this is something that, that's, uh, that needs to be appreciated, that, that the nusach that we have um, is, uh, is essentially uh, not, not exactly as it was originally composed. Moshe Rabbeinu's brocha is the same. Yoshua's brocha is the same. 
but David Amelech and Shlomo Amelech's bracha, um, you know, this is, uh, this is now, this is now different uh, because of the nature that we, 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 we daven for this, uh, for this, the restoration of it all. And so our bracha that we say, the third bracha, is actually not the original third bracha anymore. Um, it, it's changed to, to become a prayer to restore it. And uh, so it's just an interesting point that's not that well known that, um, you know, that this, that this third bracha is really uh, only midrabanan today because it's, it's, it's been, uh, you know, it's, it's been doctored as such to represent a prayer in a way more than to actually, uh, you know, uh, state the fact that there's Yerushalayim and, uh, and a Beit HaMikdash. Uh, so, uh, anyway, that is just a, uh, the, the nature of this, of, of this idea, which, is, which, which turns the, the status of the bracha uh, not, into, uh, not into a Torah-mandated bracha, but into, um, you know, in, into a rabbinic, the level of a, of a rabbinic bracha. And so, uh, that's, the, that's the kind of idea. So, um, they, they make up the first, the first three brachas. And then we mentioned that there was a fourth bracha, and uh, the fourth bracha is as a result of the destruction of Beitar, but it highlights the, the fact that um, we were able, by miracle, to bury bodies that didn't decompose eventually. And so, yeah, I've seen in the, the Siddur of Rav Kook and the writings and the Meshachokma as well that, uh, that, there are, that, the, that this particular bracha of Hatov uh, Ametiv, it, it really is, is an expression of the following. And that is that even in our exile, when Hashem has taken his wrath out on the, on the Beit HaMikdash and destroyed it and then ex- exiled us and, and thank God brought us back, but yet we're waiting for the full realization of that. Am Yisrael at that, at that time were vulnerable to losing their hope that Hashem had, uh, you know, that Hashem still cared for them. And when a miracle happens, even in the midst of your darkness, <clears throat> that's when it's appropriate also to make a brach. A person uh, loses a relative, satshiva, or any bad news, you say, Baruch Dayan Ahmed. You, you, you look for Hashem's um, presence, even when it's so challenging, when it's, uh, when it's camouflaged beyond. And so this bracha was com- composed, even though, like we say, it's got nothing to do with food at all. Mm-hmm. But it's composed to um, it's composed to give Amisol an opportunity to uh, to to commit to this principle that Hashem cares for us even in the exile, and uh, and then Hashem we said in the past, present, and future. Hatov, you know, who if he did, who if he does. Good, he will do good. So this is really, um, at the time, this was the biggest loss. This was like the, the last sovereignty, expression of sovereignty the people of Israel had in the land of Israel, which was crushed even after the Beit Aminas was destroyed. And this was like, you know, this is the tipping point of exile. Now Am Yisrael were, were fully in exile. And so therefore, um, this particular expression of being able to find Hashem even in in the Auschwitz, so to speak, is the motif of this particular last bracha. And again, if we're using the principle that a person is in a good mood and is open to uh, recommitting to spiritual values, 
we use this unique opportunity of, of having to eat. And as a result of having to eat, we use the opportunity to relate to Kosh Baruch Hu. So we've really achieved that much deeper understanding of what benching is there to do. So in summation, what we've understood about benching is that, yes, on a basic level, thanks Hashem for, for sustainability. And on a deeper level, it gives us the opportunity to reconnect to Hashem and the values that are so central to what it is to be a Jew uh, and the privilege of having this unique connection to Akosh Baruch Hu. And the best time to express it is when a person is basimcha, when a person is full satiated, that is when you take the opportunity to reconnect with Akosh Baruch Hu. So that is a deeper understanding of benching and an appreciation of the structure of how the, the benching that we had, at least the four brachot, you know, how they, um, how they came to be. And, uh, and another opportunity We'll then explore uh, the rest of the benching and what um, and those are Rachamans and what uh, how they came to be and um, and how it evolved. Uh, but uh, we'll leave that for the next opportunity. So uh, yeah, I hope you guys are okay and that we will see you through the week. Okay. So again, uh, dedicated shir to the memory of uh, Asher's dad, Yosef Ben Asher. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Rabbi. It was brilliant. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you, everybody. All the best. Have a good week. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. Pleasure. Pleasure. Thanks. Thank you.